if you take all topics related to money, they're generally uncomfortable. I would say this is probably one of the most uncomfortable situations because you're talking about death too. Does talking about your money make you cringe? Are you tired of fighting about finances? Do you want to stop sabotaging your financial happiness? Then you are in the right place. Welcome to Breaking Money Silence, a podcast series aimed at helping all of us talk more openly about money. Your host, Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, is a wealth psychology expert who is doing what she does best, speaking about taboo topics. International speaker, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection, Kathleen understands money and our relationship with it. Over the past decade, she has empowered thousands of people to break money silence at home and at work. Now, here is Kathleen. Today, I want to welcome Dave Gaffaro to the Breaking Money Silence podcast. Uh, Dave and I met at an ABA Wealth Management Conference. It was actually the last time I was live uh, at a keynote presentation and we hit it off. Uh, we have managed to chat almost every month through this extraordinary circumstance and really learned that there's a lot that we have in common and, and sharing knowledge is enjoyable. So. I thought to myself, why am I keeping these conversations with Dave to myself? Why don't I share it uh, with the Breaking Money Silence uh, listeners? So let me give you a quick introduction and then we'll get into our conversation. Uh, so Dave is a strategic advisor, executive coach, keynote speaker, and author. His latest book is Leading from Where You Are, Seven Themes to Make a Meaningful Impact in Your Work. He is the principal of Strategic Advising Consulting Group, where he helps serve uh, or work with businesses to define, design, and deliver their vision. And if that isn't enough, he does more than that, but he also is the co-founder of Atticus, a fintech firm providing individuals and professional advisors with easy-to-use, do-it-yourself tools for fiduciary-based activities. Wow. Welcome, Dave. Welcome to the Breaking Money Silence podcast. I'm so glad to be here with you and to see you. I love talking to you every month, but it's great to get to see you. Yeah, I know. It is really nice uh, with our little Zoom call today. Yeah. And so uh, today we decided to talk about something that actually is in a weird way near and dear to my heart. Uh, and I know it's a passion of yours. We've decided to talk about millennials and estate planning. So I want to just set up the conversation with a recent thing that happened in my life about maybe a couple months ago. So one of the things that my husband and I decided to do was certainly write our will a while back and to be able to set up a trust. And because we don't have any children, we decided to name one of our nephews as the executor. And the nephew happens to be a millennial. And so it was really interesting to me when you and I started talking about maybe the differences or the fact that millennials will start to be being asked to be executors of wills and, and what does that mean? So just overall, why are you passionate about this topic of estate planning and, and educating people, but especially millennials about it? Well, it really links to your overall theme of breaking money silence. This is a dimension of money. We're talking about someone's financial life when you do a will, if you do a trust, and then you ask somebody be, to be the executor, you're really talking about a chapter in their financial life. And it's one, if you, if you take all topics related to money, they're generally uncomfortable. I would say this is probably one of the most uncomfortable situations because you're talking about death too. 
for millennials in particular, though, over the next 10 to 15 years, they will be the group that gets the most requests to serve as an executor. So it's important to start getting comfortable with that kind of conversation today. That's part of the reason I'm so interested in the topic. But I'll, I'll add one more thing to it. Um, for a long time, I ran a large investment and trust division of a bank. And as I watched what happened in the estate part, estate settlement part, and I saw how incredible the need was, I did everything I could to expand that group and found that one of the most important parts of the work that they did was helping to facilitate the conversations. And so there's such demand for the conversations. So overall, I think it, it fits under the umbrella of breaking money silence. You know, absolutely. And, and you're right. When we talk about this wealth transfer and people inheriting money, it also, you know, unfortunately, usually means that there's a death. And so it struck me when I asked my nephew, uh, or my husband and I asked my nephew uh, to serve, that he was honored, but I don't think he fully knew what he signed up for. <laughs> so if somebody... So somebody's listening in and goes, oh, I was recently asked, or, or maybe I know I'm going to be asked, or I might be asked, you know, what do people have to know about serving uh, as somebody's executor and helping them settle their estate? There's a ton to that. It's really an important topic to delve into. And so I think the, the starting point is to really understand what's involved with estate settlement. And that starts with what is an estate? And an estate really is just the aggregation of all somebody has and all that they owe. So their assets and their liabilities all together. And I look at estate settlement as sort of bringing a close to the last chapter of someone's financial life. And so the actual process involves three things. The first thing is inventorying someone's assets. So what do they have and what's the value of those assets? The second part of it is paying off anything that's owed. So any outstanding debts, any taxes that are due, anything like that. And then finally, transferring whatever's left to the next generation of owner. That can be family members, it can be someone else, it can be to charity, but it's that transition part of it. So if you've been asked to serve, the good news is somebody trusted you enough to ask you to serve. But it's really important, like in your nephew's case or any of our cases, that if you're asked, that you understand there's sort of another part to it too. There's a lot of work involved. And the bigger the estate, the more complex it is, the more work. So it's not uncommon for a fairly simple estate to last a year, to take a year to settle. And there's a lot of work that goes around that. But um, understand what you're signing up for. Then also along with that, if somebody doesn't have a will, they're gonna to have to go through the probate process. Now, probate, folks may be familiar with it, but it's a court-ordered process. The court facilitates it. What the court does is they will appoint someone to be the executor, and they will appoint a trust and estate attorney to work through the process, and then they monitor the progress. There's some challenges with that. First of all, you've got a court running the process. You're not doing it yourself. But second of all, it's public. Anything that's done in probate is for the whole world to see. So you can bypass that if through proper planning, and this is important for people who are thinking about planning now, if you put your assets in a trust, 
a trust will help you transition those assets without having to go through probate. It also saves money. So the process of settling an estate does have expenses. On average for a smaller estate, it can be like $15,000. It varies by city and parts of the country. But if you have a trust, you can bypass some of that. So that's something good to think about. So I don't know if that scared you or would scare your nephew, but those are some of the things that sort of come to mind when somebody honors you with asking you to serve. Right, so, so I'm channeling the people who may be listening that hear that and go, wow, that's a lot. I'm honored, but can I say no? Can I be like, mm, thank you, but no thank you? So if, can you say no? And if so, what might that conversation look like? You can say no. And it's like any invitation. It's an invitation. It's important to be mindful. And in having the conversation, you can, you can just say, look, there's a lot to this. I don't feel comfortable. I feel like it's outside of my comfort zone. And I think it'd be better for you to ask someone who might be better prepared to navigate this. What's most important is that you know what you're committing to before you commit to it. Yeah, no, I think that's, that's a great way of thinking about it. You know, one of the things that, that we've done with our executor, my nephew, is we frame the conversation as we would like you to do this, ask any questions, feel free to say no. And there are many other dialogues. We're in the midst of having these dialogues. You know, I'm not planning on going anywhere any, you know, soon, <laughs> but I'm trying to practice what I preach and having these conversations. And so it is not only a, a nice way to teach him about money and about estate planning, you know, eventually for his own life, it's also led to some really interesting conversations. So in, in your opinion, what are the conversations you should be having when you are named executor and who should you be having them with? And I know that's a big question. So just, you know, tell us where to start. Dave. Well, I'll, I'll walk through that, but you mentioned something that the dialogue about the dialogue that you're having and, you know, I was really surprised. So, so in a prior role, we did market research with our clients in this wealth management firm and we talked to them regularly, you know, how are we doing? What do you need from us that you're not getting that kind of thing? One quarter, I added a question to the survey to clients, and the question was, would you be interested in having your advisor with our firm have a conversation with you and your family about wealth transition? And I thought, you know, if we get like 5%, 10% response, there's something there and we should dig deeper. We got a 60% response saying, we'd like to have a conversation. And I'm thinking to myself, 60% of Americans don't agree on anything. <laughs> but 60% wanted to have this conversation. So there's an interest, even though it's delicate. So let me get back to your question. If somebody asks you, what are some of the things that you would ask about? So the first, the first thing is having a conversation with the person who asked you to serve about some of the situational factors. Understanding, is this a larger estate? So above one or $2 million, that's an important factor. Are there a lot of different types of assets that are part of the estate? So is it simple, meaning it's a few bank accounts and some personal possessions, or are there real estate assets and collectibles and art and things like that? The bigger it is, the more complex, and you need to understand that. Another thing to ask is who are the beneficiaries and how do they get along with the person that created the will? 
Is there a good relationship between them? Another important dynamic. And then how did the beneficiaries get along with each other? If they don't get along well today, chances are if they stand to inherit money, it's not gonna get better. So it's really important to go through that. Then also asking, are there other variables that could add complexity to this? So for example, common that you might have somebody who's been through multiple marriages and having children through these multiple marriages, that adds a layer of complexity. Maybe there are outstanding legal issues that you'd wanna know about, or outstanding tax issues, or just unusual family dynamics. Just a, a quick story I'll share with you that was one of the most unusual ones I heard. A friend of mine settled, settled an estate in the Phoenix area, and the fellow who created this will had two kids from marriage one and two from marriage two. They didn't get along very well, but one of his desires during his lifetime and beyond was to find a way to bring the kids together. So one of the assets that he left to them was a Ferrari, and it was a valuable collectible Ferrari, and so each of these kids got one-fourth of the value of the Ferrari. And he gave each of them a document that told them where the car was located. But the funny thing was, each of them had a different location. So what they found was he had disassembled the car while he was alive and stored in these storage units a wheel, a fender, engine. Somebody else got a front wheel and got you know headlights or whatever. So his purpose was after I'm gone, this is the way you're going to come together, whether you like it or not, because the only value you're going to have in this thing is if you put it together and then you can sell it if you want. But understanding the family dynamic, I guess the, the real headline here is there's kind of two parts to a state settlement. There is the, the operational work, all the duties you have to do, and then there's the, all the other stuff. And it's the, all the other stuff, the everything else that can pull you down a rabbit hole. So just sort of have a good understanding of what you would be committing to as you're evaluating and having that conversation with the person who's creating the will. Yeah, I love that story about the Ferrari. I mean, I could see that both working and really blowing up. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and as we know, you know, I really deal with more of the emotional side of it, not the technical side. And, and what I think is interesting, and also there's an opportunity, is that it's usually not the technical side that's the problem in a failure for a family or someone to pass on their wealth. It's usually this the family dynamics or a lack of conversation or understanding. And you know, one of the things that I think is is tricky when you give us that list of things that we need to be talking about is I want people to know they don't need to have just that conversation all at once, that this can be over a period of time. And also I don't think that they're alone. So if somebody is listening in and says, okay, whether I'm a millennial or not, I've been asked to do this. I now realize you know, how complex it could potentially get or the work that's involved. You know, is there someone out there who can help me with this? So what do you say? Is there places where people can get help so they don't have to go through this alone? Yeah, certainly there, there are places. You hit on something that's the most important thing though, Kathleen, and that is, it is the emotional side of it. And it's because, think about it, you're combining somebody who is either passed away or is talking about passing away with financial reality. Mm. And that combination together is like turbocharged. So you've got to be really, really mindful as you think about it. So 
getting comfortable with those conversations is important. You can certainly talk to an attorney. Other family advisors are valuable. But there are other resources too, like, you know, there's, there's some really good books on the topic. Um, one of the books that I think is helpful is Estate and Trust Administration for Dummies. Very simple, but it kind of walks through the fundamentals, what you need to know. There's another one that I like that's called How to Settle an Estate. The last name of the author is Plotnik. And a very good kind of a, a guide on the principles that you need to keep in mind. Great. You know what? We'll put that in the show notes with any other okay. links that we want to provide so people that are interested in looking up those resources can. One of the things that I'm excited about, though, uh, Dave, is that you, along with your co-founder, have developed this app that really helps somebody uh, who either doesn't want to you know, hire a bunch of professionals, maybe doesn't need to, and so it really kind of walks them through this process. And so tell us a little bit about Atticus which is what the app is called and how it can be useful. And then I'll share kind of what my experience has been playing around with it a little bit. Okay, good, good. So there is a space where for larger estates, there are some great options. If the estate is above $2 million, for instance, there are a lot of banks that will settle the estate for you, for the family member. Um, trust companies tend to do that. Then for the rest of estates, which is like, 98% of the, the estates in our country, there really aren't a lot of good step-by-step -step approaches. So we built Atticus and we designed this app for folks who are more comfortable in a digital environment, who like an app-based approach. I suspect a lot of your audience. And it's a step-by-step -step app that walks you through everything you need to know and everything you need to do in order to work through a state settlement. So it helps you whether it's at the very beginning saying what are the things you have to be aware of and plan for as you work through this, or for instance, one of the, the most important steps, and I mentioned this at the beginning, is inventorying assets. So we've got a tool on board the app that helps you pull in financial assets, so bank accounts, investments, things like that. But also you can go through and use your phone to inventory assets in the house. So you snap a picture of the piano, you snap a picture of the silverware, you snap a picture of any of those, upload it into your file, and then you've got all of that together so that as you walk through the process, once you're done, it's all together. You can share information with the beneficiaries. When it comes time to wrap things up, you can produce reports that you can just hand to an attorney. You do need an attorney to help you close out the estate, but you hand them the reports, the attorneys are really happy about that because they got everything they needed. They don't have to say, go get these 57 things. You've got them and you hand them to them. So it just walks you through how to capture everything and then give you the reports that you need. But there's some other things too that are, are helpful. So for instance, there is compensation for being an executor. It can be set either with an agreement with whoever created the will mm -hmm. and you as the executor. It can be set by the court or each state in the country has a maximum fee that you can charge. So for instance, California, where I live on the first hundred thousand in value, you can charge 4%. The next hundred, I think it's three, the next 800,000, it goes down to 2%. And then the next 9 million is like 1%. So you can go by the state rule, but part of what we have in Atticus, you don't have to look it up. The app will guide you and say, okay, you're settling this in this estate. It's the state of Massachusetts. Here's what the maximum allowable rate is so that you know that. 
And there's a bunch of other kind of AI things that will guide you just with key knowledge, key information to help you work through the process. I thought it was really neat. So I did a quick demo. Um, I actually have been named as a, an executor on a, in a state. The person is still alive, uh, thank goodness, and have certainly sat by my dad's side as he settled my mom's estate and have a little bit of familiarity with it without this app. So when I did the demo on the app, it was really interesting. And what I loved about it is that it it felt like somebody was talking to me that was almost like a friendly advisor and asked some questions. And I, you know, I only did the beginning demo, so I don't know what, and I'm going to ask you about this in a minute, but so it downloaded, you know, it organized everything. It asked who died. It asked what my relationship was like with that person. Um, and it even asked if the beneficiaries got along. And so it was really interesting to kind of go through the initial process and look at how, easy it would be to kind of take one screen, one project out of Atticus at a time, especially, you know, when you're grieving, when you're overwhelmed, when you have everything else going on in your life after a loss of somebody, that I thought it was really neat. And I did notice the pictures in the inventory piece as well. But my follow-up question is, so if you click on the app that the beneficiaries don't get along, what does what does the app do for you? I would love for it to magically just poof. <laughs> <laughs> and it makes it okay. Everybody's talking about money and getting along, but we all know it doesn't work that way. So yeah, that's version I... 2.0. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll invest in that. Yeah. So, so what we provide are, if you have challenges, here are some ideas for you. And in fact, we've got a lot of content that helps support the questions that you saw from everything from how do I do whatever the it is, right? So it guides you through and there's content to help support that. In fact, one of the things that's available and all of your listeners can access this is our team put a lot of time into putting together what I think is a fantastic guide. It's called What to Do When a Loved One Passes, the Definitive Checklist. So if you go to our website, which is we are Atticus, A-T-T-I-C-U-S, weareatticus.com, you can get this checklist for free. And it just walks you through all the things you need to think about. And it gets into the people side of it. You know, so, so we're kind of classified as a fintech company, but, but I like to say we're a famtech company because our job is to help connect families across generations and make it easier for them to engage. So this isn't something that's a distraction for them. Yeah, no, I really thought that part was neat and I oh, look good. forward to exploring it more. And yeah, thank good. you for uh, giving people that address so they can check out that resource. And again, we can make that available in the speaker's notes. You know, time goes so fast on this podcast and I feel like um, I may have more questions for you, certainly uh, on this topic, as well as I know we always have really interesting conversations. So uh, if someone listening in wants to find out more about you, Dave, and your work, in addition to Atticus, where can they find you? My website is davecafaro.com. It's D-A-V-E-C-O-F-F, -F, like Frank, A-R-O.com. It's got all of my background and uh, articles and videos and things like that. And glad to share any of that. And then I shared with you the Atticus site. I'll also mention for any of your listeners that have a need for or interest in Atticus, that we will provide a 20% discount on the service fee. 
And so all that the listener would need to do is put in the code KBK20, KBK20, and they'll get the discount. And what, thank you, first of all, for offering that to the listeners. And, and I also feel kind of touched because my father's been talking about estate planning ever since I was very young. And it, it ultimately has been helpful in my career and breaking money silence. And then to have a code on an app that's about estate planning with my initials on it. I know it sounds kind of corny, but I'm very touched by that. So hopefully people will take advantage of that very generous offer. And you know, as always, Dave, it's been so great to break money silence with you. And I know that the conversation will continue. Beautiful. Kathleen, thank you so much. Great to see you. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to Breaking Money Silence, hosted by Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, a wealth psychology expert, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection. If you like what you heard today, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and leave a review. Also, share this episode with your friends and family. It is a great way to get the conversation started. For more money talk tips and information, or to hire Kathleen to speak at your next event, go to www.breakingmoneysilence.com.